Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Welcome to my guest, uh, Pam Rocker. I am not even going to pretend that I know the depth of like what you're capable of doing or what you're into, so I'm just going to let you tell us. Oh, wow. How are you? I'm good. Um, What do you want? How do you want me to start? Uh, Honestly, so... I met, I'll just tell the story then and then yeah. we can just start. So I, I met Pam, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we met a couple weeks ago talking about Affirming Connections, yeah. right? And so is Affirming Connections specific to United Church or is that a broader faith base? So Affirming Connections was initiated out of out of United Churches. Mm-hmm. Basically, I started this initiative with funding from United Church bodies to... Mm-hmm. Um, help any church or faith community who wants to become more inclusive, more affirming, which means in my context, it means fully inclusive of LGBTQ2SIA plus Mm -hmm. people, which I probably will just say queer for that sometimes um, in this conversation. But Mm -hmm. basically, you know, to come alongside those churches who are really interested in doing that, or maybe Mm -hmm. they became affirming 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and maybe they lost a little bit of energy or, you know, the the intersections of queer and faith identity Mm -hmm. are not easy. They're not easy to live Mm -hmm. in and they're not easy to do work in. And no matter how long I've worked sort of in those intersections in different ways for almost a decade now. Oh my gosh, it makes me feel <laughs> feel old. <laughs> the other day I was like, oh, something from the 90s. And I was thinking, yeah, that was just like a couple of years ago. No, it mm-hmm. wasn't. It was 20 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I started this in March with the help of some other mm-hmm. folks. Oh, and just last year? March of this year. Oh, this year. Oh, yeah. Goodness. And so I did a lot of affirming work before mm-hmm. then for quite a few years, but this is where it's more focused and I'm able to help more than just one church or one cluster Mm. of churches or whatever. And I found that it's really interesting because a lot of the people that I've talked with and worked with are not just people who are in Calgary and not just United Church people, Mm. but a lot of more smaller communities outside of Calgary Mm -hmm. because if we feel, which is totally understandable, if we feel sometimes isolated, doing any sort of advocacy work mm-hmm. is isolating. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. Um, it, it can be. It can be. Yeah. You have to curate community around it mm-hmm. so that you can survive and still like yeah. be happy sometimes yeah. and, and have some hope still, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I found that, you know, rural communities, we have number one, a lot to learn from, and number two, a lot to be aware of that's happening. Because, you know, even 
in urban centers, we sometimes forget that, okay, we might have even one option to do something. Mm -hmm. We might have one option to go to a place where we know, hey, I might, I might kind of fit in here. Mm -hmm. It may not be a church. It may not be yeah. a club. We don't know what that might be. But oftentimes in smaller centers, there is, isn't even that one option. And so mm -hmm. it's been great to be able to sort of remind myself of that reality at the same time as try to connect some people in more rural communities in and bigger centers because we have a lot to learn from each other mm -hmm. and sort of speaking to that I was thinking something that we were talking about right before we push record was this idea of being thankful for mm -hmm. the people who have come before us yeah. right and when I first started getting involved like I'm from the states I'm from Texas oh, okay and um, Northeast. Okay. It's a little, not little, but it's 250,000 people, but it's a suburb of Dallas. So it's oh, okay. kind of in the shadow of it. Yeah. Um, right next to Mesquite, which is like one of the biggest rodeos in the world, North America. Yeah. I don't know. It's always on ESPN mm. three or whatever it is. The Mesquite rodeo or whatever? The, yeah. The only reason I know about it is because when my grandfather was alive, anytime they visited, we had to go like twice a weekend to the rodeo to the rodeo and so i was like okay that's fine because i get cotton candy when i go so i yeah. was i was fine with that <laughs> rodeo ethics aside i was happy about that part um anyway so you know i didn't ever grow up even with any sort of a faint idea that number one anybody like me existed mm -hmm. i didn't even know i existed for a long long time and Number two, that I could still have some of the faith that I grew up with mm -hmm. that was so important to me and exist, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I think about when I came to Canada and after a long time, I heard about um, specifically this organization called Affirm United, mm -hmm. which is a national organization that started, its origins are basically, they were trying to get gay and lesbian clergy um, not rejected from being ordained mm -hmm. and they succeeded in 1988 so we're at the 30th anniversary of that oh, really? yeah so when I first started even understanding I was like what does affirming mean like you know and I I became really really grateful that there were people who started in the 80s and of course before then but mm -hmm. the people who some of the people who were still doing the work that started in the 80s yeah. who had begun you know, just so that gay and lesbian clergy could just be ordained. Mm -hmm. Not like, not even same gender marriage, not even yeah. anything around that. Not, yeah. no pronouns, no all gender washrooms, like just to be able to just serve in that way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's still up to every single church, whether they do or not, yeah. right? Policy is one thing and practice is another, but. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I have a lot of gratitude to that. And I always say the best activists have anger in one hand and gratitude in the other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if if we are only angry about all the change that needs to happen, which we should be, mm -hmm. absolutely, there's so much change that needs to happen, we can't survive. It's not a sustainable mm -hmm. way of being. Yeah. And so many people burn out. So many people alienate everybody around them, you know. Mm -hmm. And I understand that a lot of woundedness in that. But, you know when we're able to, to be grateful for the progress we have made mm -hmm. and for whatever voice we have at whatever time. Right. And so yeah. now I recognize that I have a voice that I never thought I would have. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of people, um, because of various different reasons don't have. And mm -hmm. so I try to 
to balance out my anger, you know, with mm-hmm. the things changing with also remembering, wow, you know, what am I doing with what I can do? Mm-hmm. And where am I finding solace, meaning, community where I can, right? Yeah. Excellent. So when you mentioned uh, the crossroads of faith community, what did you mean by that? Because they're hard to, they're, they are very, for some of us, very complicated to negotiate, right? Those. Yeah. Yeah. Faith and queer identity. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I, I teach a lot about the, these intersections and when I think about it, I usually draw like these two circles, mm-hmm. like one is faith and then I do like a Venn diagram. One is, is queer identity mm-hmm. and they have this little sliver, right? And we're sort of told that they are separate, right? Mm-hmm. We are taught, I mean, you know, I think that you know <laughs> what I'm saying, like oh, that yeah. faith is in one hand, yeah. queer identity is in the other, and that the very few people who exist are in this weird spot and we don't really know who they are. Mm-hmm. They're magical out there somewhere yeah. and who knows what's even going to happen to them. And so we're sort of, you know, that's even when I began to think that I was gay, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in the ether somewhere mm-hmm. without anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only person I knew might be gay at that time was like Rosie O'Donnell. I think mm-hmm. like yeah. I was like, I'm going to have to marry Rosie O'Donnell because it's the only <laughs> lesbian I know. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. <laughs> Not that against Rosie O'Donnell, but yeah, but I'm like, oh, she's like 25 years older than me. But I guess I'm gonna have to find her somehow. That's the only one on the planet. That's fair. Um, and I actually did. I was like, I guess are do all lesbians look like that? Okay, I mean, have to like get a haircut. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so you know, we're taught that it, they are these two circles, mm-hmm. and they can never meet. And I think part of my work and part of all of our work in a lot of ways in so many different uh, things that we think are binary is drawing attention to that any of those boundaries are illusions. Mm -hmm. They're all made by people. And they're all made by people who maybe at some points with a good motivation, maybe at some points with not, Mm -hmm. um, have created those boundaries out of fear, out of difference, out of maybe losing power Mm. out of tradition, out of lots of different reasons. And so I think for me, it was gradually understanding that these different boxes I had compartmentalized in my head and my heart actually weren't, they weren't separate at all. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this and I, you know, an example that I use when I didn't even think it was that profound at the moment because I was just terrified when I came out to my parents Uh, and it's almost 10 years now and I sent them an email because I was terrified and Mm. I was like they're going to try to talk theology to me and number one I know way more than them and (laughs) but I don't want to argue it you know and and number two like I just don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be very uh, healthy for anybody Mm -hmm. if if we're talking and then anything can come out when you're in conversation. And so, and I always tell people come out however you need to on a post-it note, like Mm -hmm. pigeon carry, like carry your pigeon, whatever you need to do. Um, and yeah. so the important thing is coming out. Yeah. Well, yeah, when when it's time. Yeah. Right. When it, when and it's right for you. And so many people have said, like, oh, you need to come out in person. Oh, mm-hmm. you need to do whatever. And I'm like, oh, you need to be safe. Yeah. That's number one. That's a fair, that's a fair suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in my email I, I wrote them, you know, and I said, Without my faith, my life won't be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But without coming out my life will be devoid of integrity Mm -hmm. and my faith calls me to have integrity. And so coming out is faithful for me. Mm -hmm. And 
I think about that all the time because every week I talk to somebody who is me 10 years ago, mm-hmm. me 15 years ago, you know, um, even if there's only a few similar threads yeah. because it's so pervasive, especially that religion, you know, there's different stats, but it's like 85% of uh, gender and sexual identity discrimination is religiously motivated, mm. right? And so it's so common that people have the that same some sort of storyline like that Mm -hmm. and i think for me i'm really passionate about if we if we still find faith or spiritual practice a spiritual community meaningful to us Mm -hmm. then or even if we want to figure out whether it is we should be able to do so without any barriers Mm -hmm. to access it and without any barriers to actually belonging Mm -hmm. within it and knowing that those things you know my faith helps me understand my queerness more Mm -hmm. and realize what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. I mean, it's fun, to, you know, it's fun to be queer. It's fun, you know, to be yourself, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Um, but I think my faith calls me to think about it a little bit differently than I might otherwise mm-hmm. in terms of what am I called to do? Yeah. And I think my queerness helps me understand my faith better yeah. in terms of actually accessing and hopefully nurturing at the best of times, mm-hmm. empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> and compassion and forgiveness and all of those things that I don't want to do. Yeah. And I'm not just doing because I'm altruistic and I happen to be born that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, my queerness calls me to say, I know what some pain looks like. Mm-hmm. I know what being super close to thinking there's nothing else I can do. So I just need to leave yeah. now looks like. and. So what am I doing to help people feel less alone? And so I can't, now I can't imagine going back to trying to let other people make me choose one or the Mm -hmm. other. Um, And I'm just so, you know, I was talking to a young person the other day who is, you know, we're talking right now in Alberta and even on a federal level about banning conversion therapy, Mm -hmm. right? trying to repair people's identity and like, that d- doesn't that? need to be fixed. Well, you know, right now, actually, there's a federal petition happening yeah. that is trying to ban conversion therapy for minors. Mm-hmm. And that's a good step because mm-hmm. a lot of minors, you know, obviously don't have a choice or they have to choose between being yeah. homeless or losing their whole community or whatever. Yeah. But the thing that's really sticky about that, and I've been actually talking to people in the government and who are drafting some different proposed bills around it is that uh, most people I know who have gone through some sort of conversion therapy are adults. Like they're well into their adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I think whatever bill comes out needs to have a nuanced understanding that, um, it's not just people under 18 who are being controlled mm-hmm. or yeah. who are being, you know, sort of sucked into an environment where mm-hmm. that seems like the only thing that you can do in yeah. order to, you know, basically not go to hell yeah. um, and to belong to your community in some way. Mm-hmm. So the federal petition, I think, uh, we, is still gathering signatures until January. You can find it online, just federal petition, ban yeah. conversion therapy. And then I'm not sure when the other bill, like specifically for Alberta, is going to yeah. come out. But I hope that it, as much as I have can have anything to do with that, I hope that it captures that we have to also protect adults. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's brainwashing. 
and it's uh it it does ruin people's lives and people have a lot of trauma afterwards Mm. for for a long long time all i've ever learned about that that supposed therapy is um just negative it's just all negative yeah and it's tragic right like trying trying to tell someone that they have to become someone else to be here you know yeah and i think ultimately you know i think it it forces us to fracture ourselves Mm -hmm. right and when most of our spiritual practices are to be like for everything to kind of kind of come along together Mm -hmm. and so it's really the opposite of what i think the message of most major religions are you know to Mm -hmm. have integrity in everything and this is like no fracture yourself you might want to do this thing um but instead you know feel really shameful about it yeah and you know i remember even hearing and and this was in the states but um this guy peterson toscano who does a lot of stuff on um gender fluid people in the bible Mm. now and about like queer activism and climate change like he does some really cool stuff but Mm -hmm. i remember we brought him to calgary once and he part of his story is that he's gone to conversion therapy camps or programs over 17 times before he finally sort of came out and you know is doing the work that he's doing now 17 times and one of them that he went to was i believe in florida and they were like teaching people how to like teaching men how to throw footballs um you know uh making sure that you know they didn't wear designer clothes they all had to like standard issue like khakis and you know like not anything designer and i'm like how does this how does this you know like it's so much about just behavior yeah whatever's happening in your heart that's you know like we we can't we can't cure that we wish we could reach in Mm -hmm. and you know change it but we're going to teach you how to like be a man you know Mm -hmm. quote unquote on the outside and yeah it is really tragic and you know for sure people who have been through it can find healing and be Mm -hmm. themselves and you know continue on and so i don't want to draw a picture that there's all these people around who are you know that's that's sort of what they're going to to be weighted down by forever. However, it is something that takes a lot of work to get through. Yeah. And so that's why more and more I think people are calling it, you know, survivors of conversion yeah. therapy. Because in order to get through and to be on the other side, you have to be a survivor. Oh, yeah. And so I really hope that some sort of policy change can happen. I sure hope so, too. Like, I mean, some of the stories from the States are like electroshock therapy, the same stuff they used to do for like mental illness and mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. And that's what happens here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Here in Alberta? Yeah. Jeez. They yeah. still use like electroshock therapy to recon, like reconfigure the brain to not be gay? You can't Google it and find people that yeah. <laughs> that do that. But, some but I know people who have gone through it in Alberta. Jeez. Yeah. That that's part of... You yeah. know, that their psychologist has recommended them to some sort of other, you know. In terms of dealing with their sexuality. Yeah. God help us, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like there's 10 churches just in Calgary who have these programs that run. Conversion therapy programs. Are you serious? Yeah. There's 10 churches in Calgary that do it. And that's just a certain program. So it's called Journey Canada. And... What's really interesting is that you can find all the information of all the churches they work with mm-hmm. on their website in their annual reports. So they're not even like hiding it. They're like mm-hmm. proud. These are all of the the churches that we've worked with. Um, 
and of course they call it addiction, da, da, da. you know, they call it lots of different things, but basically, you know, and that's interesting. You say they call it addiction because when we, we went to a uh, uh, recovery day, uh, it's like a fair, I guess, like mm -hmm. a fair of tables and information sharing and speaks speakers and stuff like that. But there was a couple of booths that were talking about it because oh. we flew our flag. We flew our rainbow flag. So yeah. of course then I can't remember who they were. Heather would remember yeah. probably more so, but um, they were actually talking about it like it was an addiction. And it's so strange because I, I actually said to Heather, I said, you got to be mistaken. Like there's nobody here that thinks that. Mm -hmm. And then of course I look down the line and I see some of the people she was talking. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they do. Because yeah. <laughs> that's unfortunate, right? Yeah. Like, um, so what was the name of the thing again? The, the Journey churches? Canada. Journey Canada. Okay. And so that's that's 10 churches and who just specifically run this program. Mm -hmm. So there are other ones that's sort of more rooted in, they would say, Christianity. Mm -hmm. And then there are other ones that are, you know, out of like the Catholic community and, mm -hmm. and other <clears throat> sort of traditions that have their own versions their own of them yeah. uh, as well. But the the root of it is is basically sort of treating it like you you can be healed from this. This is something that is really unwanted. Mm -hmm. um, this is just a tendency and mm -hmm. you know, you don't you don't have to live that way. Yeah. Um so yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And actually, you know, I've had I've had other friends who have been interested in going to in different recovery programs. Mm -hmm. And they've asked me to call the ones that they're thinking about yeah. going to and asking them, you know, what do you think? Not asking about that them personally, that personal, but yeah. just saying like, oh, hey, I'm calling from, you know, whatever church I'm working at at the time mm -hmm. or whatever. And asking, you know, what is your view on homosexuality? Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, at that time, I think there was like one out of six that I called that was at all seemed to be maybe affirming. Mm -hmm. And which is really sad because you're basically taking people at a place when they're really vulnerable yeah. <laughs> and um, layering on this other stuff that usually anything that you're in, in terms of my experience with people I know um, anything of that is symptomatic. It's not a cause mm -hmm. of like your sexuality or gender identity can't ever harm you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right. I just can't imagine people are thinking that could hurt somebody. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, and, and often the, you repressing it or you being punished for it, mm -hmm. you being shamed by it, of course that can lead to other things. Mm -hmm. Um, but in and of itself, that's not what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think, you know, it can get really muddied and then people who already need help and desperately want community for whatever reason, not just people who are seeking mm -hmm. recovery, but just in life in, in general, general yeah. um, it can really mess with you. Yeah, it, it does. And, and to be honest with you, um, the rooms, the 12 step rooms are not uh, the best place to come out. Like, and the reason I say that is because, well, first of all, it's a group of people that may not really be that sympathetic mm -hmm. into that just based on lots of different reasons. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to suggest that everybody's a bigot and that everybody's like that. Cause that's not true. Mm -hmm. But the trouble is, is that the people that are, are not quiet. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that I've seen through the years, lots of people, and I know for myself, so I'll speak for myself. So as a 44-year-old man who sobered up, and when I sobered up um, 14 years ago, and in that room, it was not a safe place. I knew it wasn't a safe place. Mm. There was no question about it. I didn't have to ask anybody, yeah. right? I knew. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because, like, some people who go to the rooms might think, oh, yeah, but we're, like, pretty open-minded. Like, And you know what? Privately, we are. Privately, we are. 
but publicly we judge. That's what we do. And mm. unfortunate, right? That we have to be very mindful not to do that. Yeah. When someone comes into a meeting place and is in any way, shape or form different, right? Because it's kind of like, and I'm sure you've experienced this uh, through the years, but it's almost like a feeding ground, right? When you get someone who is perceived to be, he or she perceived to be different, mm. it's like a feeding ground. It's like a feeding frenzy. People just like either take advantage of it or um, borderline abuse it like in, oh, wow. in different ways mm-hmm. um, in order to, um, how am I going to say this? Subdue it. Keep it under the surface, right? right? Like it's okay if you're here and you're gay. Just shut up. Right. Right? Yeah. Which I'm sure you've heard and I know I've heard. It's like, it's okay if you're here and you're whatever. Just don't talk. Yeah. Just don't, just don't actually let us know anything about who you are. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell us who you are unless it falls in line with who we are. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's really so I don't blame sad. them. It yeah. is sad. Yeah. And what do you think that, where do you think that is out of, I mean, not, that is a human tendency we have mm-hmm. in general, but because it seems like you're saying you sort of see that in the different rooms that you've yeah. been in, why do you think that it's so pervasive in that way? Um, I believe it's because the mentality in the rooms today is still the same as it was a hundred years ago mm. because there's, well, or for some, right. For some of the older yeah. members, um, I think, eventually we're going to die. So that's the good news for the young generation is mm-hmm. eventually we're all going to die mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you'll be free to do things in a better way. Yeah. Um, from, and by that, I mean some of the people who are holding back the progress, right? Right. Um, there's been, in my experience, um, even people who I've worked like intimately with are like, um, when it starts coming out the bigotry, you, you instantly just like clam up. Even though I've been sober for a long time yeah. and I feel pretty comfortable with it. Even, even then. So I, I, I think of new people when they come in um, and I think, how can I make it easier? How could right. I make it be a person that I needed, right? To yeah. be like, yeah. and it's hard in there. Like it is, you know, it gets tricky. So I don't, I, I, I can appreciate like anyone who uh, is anywhere on the spectrum of queer, mm-hmm. right? Like um, who has to deal with that inside, yeah. right? Like lots of people, I don't know about yourself, but like lots of people like, oh yeah, but everyone's good now. That's like, a, that's one of the most ignorant statements I've heard. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone's open now. I'm, right. Dude, <laughs> it must be easy to say that when yeah. you're like comfortably mm-hmm. heterosexual and, yeah. you know, telling us how easy it is now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, uh, I don't know whether sometimes to feel like, okay, good for you that you think it's good mm. or like, I hate you <laughs> <laughs> because how could you ever think that? Mm. I mean, even in, you know, like I'll pick on my own context, like, you know, they're only like 5% of United churches are affirming. Mm-hmm. Oh, five. Wow. Yeah. Um, it might be 6% now, yeah. but still <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. And like, actually like, you know, exponentially we've grown a lot in the past five years mm-hmm. then and a lot of years before then. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean, so that's about a little bit over 200 churches. Yeah. It doesn't mean all the other churches are horrible. Yeah. It just means those churches have actually taken on a period of intentional education, awareness, storytelling, and made a a vote had a vote a mm-hmm. positive vote and made a like a formal commitment yeah. right um so you have a little bit better of a chance in those communities mm-hmm. and you know they have a history of of doing the work on it yeah. 
But yeah, at the same time, a lot of people who may have grown up in or are in an affirming faith community or at mm. least not a judge, judgmental one, I think sometimes say, well, can't you just go to any church? Like, I don't understand, like, mm. why are your feelings hurt, you know? And without ever really understanding sort of the deep woundedness that mm. exists and also, you know, the, this idea of risk, right? Mm. Like, to go into a church at all, even for me sometimes, and I get paid to be in lots of different churches, mm-hmm. um, to go in and you're just sort of, you are just, you have like this little like sense in the back of your mind of like, where's the exit? You know, like, mm-hmm. am I okay? And you're sort of just like trying to get a feel oh, got goosebumps for there. everything. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you don't have to tap into that and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is a good place. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm just going to keep that radar on like a three or four right now. (laughs) And, and I have the luxury of having a lot of affirming experiences Mm -hmm. and a lot of affirming people in my life now. And so if you can only imagine going into any sort of faith community and thinking, you know, especially if you've been told and, and let's face it, if there's one sort of universal idea that we've been told around religion in general is some form of eternal punishment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just as a fun little thing to add. I, I, seriously, I think it's just a human way of like saying, okay, look, I just don't want to behave poorly. Yeah. <laughs> but I and, can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and so it's just, it's interesting how we, you know, like we are sort of we're magnetized on this idea, mm-hmm. um, which gives us a false sense of number one shame. And, and on the, on the flip side of that is also that we can somehow decide who gets it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, I definitely did like in, in my evangelical days, mm-hmm. you know, like I was a missionary for years. I worked at the biggest evangelical church in Canada for years, wow. you know? Um, so I've been on the inside, you know, mm-hmm. and even though there were lots of, you know, I, I will say lots of really good things mm-hmm. about that world and, and a lot of good work. Um, the biggest tool that we had was fear. Yeah. Right. And, and so, oh oh man, you can raise a lot of money with fear. You can do a lot of things with it. Right. Um, you can have a lot of success with it. And, but at the same time, you know, when you do sort of get kicked out of that idea of like, oh, I'm part of like the powerful group that can sort of like save people. And then you sort of get kicked out of that center Mm -hmm. into the edges. Yeah. Um, that's really scary because that's where you're told, that's where you're told, oh my gosh, I am on the outside now. I'm the people that everybody's judging. I am the them that they Mm -hmm. talk about. And, and I think for me, you know, coming back to this idea of like the binary that we told either eternal joy or eternal punishment, you know, (laughs) these ideas that we like to throw around, you know, I, I finally was like, if I'm on the outside, but I actually believe that I'm okay mm-hmm. and that I am loved and that how I am is how I was created to be mm-hmm. and that my job is actually just to remove the layers that I try to put on myself and other pi- mm-hmm. people try to put on me, then maybe there isn't any outside. Mm-hmm. Maybe just we're all in. Yeah, yeah. And that's way harder. Mm-hmm. That's way harder. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, sometimes I, I, I would never go back to those days. But man, sometimes when you're like, hey, I've had all the answers and I here's the 10 things I need to follow. Yep. I can tell everybody, oh, well, they're not doing that, but I am. And phew, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And this other way of being is sort of like stumbling along. And in every situation, you have to think about what does love look like right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, what does love look like right now? What does grace look like right now? Mm-hmm. And that's, man, that's a lot harder than Way a list harder. of right and wrong, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of funny. I was, I was teaching at uh, this, the theological school in uh, Vancouver a couple of weeks ago. And I was saying like, you know, we're, there is something sort of, you know, exciting about that power that we have when mm. we're in those institutions. And you know, cause I was talking to a bunch of clergy and I'm like, and you know what I mean? Like you are given a lot of, um, this idea that you're going to be dispensing mm-hmm. what's right and wrong to people. And that is huge. Um, so instead of sort of working in that way, how can we sort of be more invitational? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, and I'm sure that you notice, like, like being our spiritual, you know, beings like that's our birthright to practice spirituality. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to like teach us anything or yeah. like really. Um, and so I think a, a lot of the stuff that we do is more like, you know, theology for me, which means the study of the divine mm-hmm. is less about, okay, how can I add all these things to me and more about how can it remind me of who I am? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And not shame me for who I am and shame me for things that I've done wrong. Because definitely we still all do things wrong mm-hmm. all the time. But how can it remind me of who I am? And and therefore my faith sort of invite me to do something maybe different or realign or recalibrate mm-hmm. instead of being fearful of this some sort of eternal nest yeah. that nobody can prove um, and sort of just do yeah. it to, you know, as like fire insurance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's, inc- it's incredible because when you start thinking about like the afterlife stuff and what keeps us like motivated by the fear, yeah. When, as soon as you, when you said that about like how uh, fear make can make you pretty successful, like it really can, eh? yeah. And it's just so incredible how people just grab onto it and hold onto it and don't want to let go of it. And I know, like I, I, honestly, something happened with a, a old timer this past week where it's like. I could, I get it. I understand how hard it is to change. Like I do, because I've had to change. We all have to change if we want to get better and survive. For me, yeah. it was to survive, but um, it, it's like watching the the older members of humanity, not just um, 12 steps, but watching the s- struggle to just let go, right? Mm-hmm. To just be like, shit, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I was wrong. Like there's no doubt about it, I was wrong, right? But there's a lot of people like... Uh, uh, and I don't mean the majority of people. I don't. As I think the majority of people are probably just waiting for some good information. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To be able to see that good information through the bullshit mm-hmm. and be able to say, okay, well, this makes sense. This is reasonable. Right? right? Yeah. Like, but that's not going to happen. This is another thing about advocacy, right? Advocacy work is nothing is going to happen unless some eggs get broken. Yeah. And by eggs, we mean like obviously some bumps and bruises along the way. Yeah. Right. Of course the cause is going to suffer. Yeah. But I mean, that's the whole um, idea behind the people who are willing to suffer with it and say, mm-hmm. yeah, but we're just going to keep pushing anyway. Yeah. Right. For yeah. that freedom um, to get out from under that. Oh God, I heard someone say, 
dogma is just living um, at the expense of someone else's thinking, mm, right? Like yeah. it's, and what happens lots for, in people I work with is um, when we try to, when they try to come to God, try to find a way to God for them, whatever that looks like, right? And it's, it's more all of as opposed to except for, right? Like mm. all of these things are available to us. Yeah. And I think, I think you might've just mentioned it and it's been kind of stewing around in my head, but these things were created for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like we were created the way we were and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, to be honest with you, it wasn't until, so I came out a long time ago mm-hmm. and then I went right back in. Like I, I was terrified. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It was one of those. And I, I wish I had an email back then because then I would have emailed my parents instead of sat down with them mm, and told them. I yeah. would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> I will see you whenever you happen to calm down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was just a shocker how they took it. Right. right. Like, because they just, it, in their mind, it was, um, this is our son. We love our son. So we're, we're not going to stop loving our son. Like that's, and for my dad, it must've been huge because he was, he's been a minister for 50 years and he was Methodist. Wow. Yeah. And like the first time I heard the word fag was in a church. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I can't forget it. So it's kind of like that. It was that one thing when, when people who say are not, I don't know how to word this because I don't want to exclude anyone, but the truth is if you haven't had to go through any sort of process with one's identity yeah then um it's really hard to talk to someone who has yeah in a unless you're willing to to surrender the fact that you just don't know right right and i think you must come in contact with that quite a bit going around to different churches yeah i think um first of all i thought it was really interesting when we were talking about people's sort of aversion or resistance to change Mm -hmm. and that some people are just waiting for good information Mm -hmm. you know um so I want to I want to tap into that for a second because mm-hmm. I le- I like how you worded it and I think because often in my work people say like how do you even talk to to people who are like asking really horrible questions about <laughs> yeah. you know whatever and I'm like I think I think that I have um I don't know maybe it's the seventh sense like it's like the queer sense where like (laughs) you can like sometimes you can just tell when when people's intention is Mm -hmm. even like moderately good yeah right agreed and so if people are asking me silly questions ignorant questions whatever we want to name them you know sometimes I can kind of see underneath that oh like you really maybe you really haven't ever known a gay person mm-hmm. or not not openly yeah. gay to you oh maybe this is a completely new thing for you yeah and so in that interaction and this is when i know that they have a good intention lots of people don't so yeah and I, I understand that various reactions to those things mm-hmm. um i have a choice so i can i can respond and say like I can't believe you asked me that or mm-hmm. you know don't say that or you should know this google it you know whatever those might all be really fair responses. Mm -hmm. But most of the time I try to have a little bit bit of grace because I also understand that there are so many things that I'm sure I ask people Mm -hmm. that they're thinking, I can't even believe that you don't know this already. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Because I only have my own experience. Mm -hmm. And so I try to read up on stuff. I try to know, but I'm never living in anybody else's body, but mine. 
And so when I'm able to, and I have the energy, I try to take a moment on, you know, just to think, yeah, maybe they need good information. Mm -hmm. And I think when I, when I sort of start to be depleted of grace for people is when I know they've had a lot of invitations to learn. Mm -hmm. I know they've had unending supplies of good information and they still Mm -hmm. choose to say no. Yeah. And then that's where I say, okay, my time is, is better spent on people yeah. who maybe have none of the right words, mm-hmm. none of no idea, but they are like, I think I might want to know yeah. because I think it matters even a little bit. And that sort of ties into what you're saying of, I think being, you know, and I'll say, you know, being in churches and, and people really having a hard time with the biggest thing I hear is, um, why do LGBTQ to us, I plus people think they're special. You mm-hmm. know, why do we have to do anything special in order to include you? Because, you know, we care about uh, people living in pover- poverty. We p- care mm-hmm. about people with disabilities. We care about all these things, but we don't do any special flag for them. I mean, we have a, I actually heard this the other day, you know, we have a Chinese person, but we're not putting the Chinese flag oh up. And I was like, oh my really? gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of want to and go I was there like, and put a flag. I was like, you know what? Jeez. You could. That'd be fine. Yeah. Put them all up, you know, because um, <laughs> they didn't want the rainbow flag up, right? Oh, and so, um, all over the rainbow flag. <laughs> really? No, they didn't want the the rainbow flag, yeah. and they were using, you know, it's a red herring, right? Well, we have all these other people, but we're not we're not flying a symbol for them. And I'm like, oh, mm. you? Oh, I guess you really. I don't. I think you understand what you're saying, but you want to try to trick me, you know? Yeah. Um, sneaky. Yeah, sneaky. I'm like, I know these sneaky ways. Um, but I think in those situations, you know, I would say often it's for some folks, it's motivated out of what am I going to lose if these people who I see as different than me start coming here, start being involved mm-hmm. and maybe some resources, maybe some time, maybe I'm going to have to hear different things that I'm not used to hearing. Mm-hmm. And so what if everything that makes me really comfortable starts to change? Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Yeah. I mean, fair. I don't like change. You know, I just told mm-hmm. you like we're moving and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to put my books in a different spot. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where are the tissues, you know, like we like our things to be as they are. Yeah, and sure if do. we like to be spontaneous, we like to be spontaneous on our own, you know, choice mm-hmm. of when to be spontaneous or not. So I understand that aversion to change, but I think at the end of the, of the day, the reason why I continue to have these conversations is because people's lives depend on it. Yes. And so, you know, it's funny at a church that I used to be at for quite a while, I was like, I don't know, I was like in the last month that I was there. And so this one Sunday I was speaking and after the service, this woman came over to me and she said, she kind of came over and she looked really earnest and, you know, I'd known her for a long time and I thought, oh, you know, she's going to compliment me. Like that, that's how Mm -hmm. it looked. Right. And she said, oh, you know what? Usually I, I try not to come when you're speaking. And I was like, go on. Yeah, please (laughs) do tell. Please tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, good thing I'm used to like people saying stuff after services. Cause you know, you have like hundreds of, of feedback, uh, people ready to give you feedback. And, um, 
And she was like, yeah, usually, but I, I, I missed it. And on the newsletter, I didn't see that you were speaking. And so I came anyway. And then I thought, well, I'm here already. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Was she like perfect. an old church lady kind of person or? Not that, not yeah. that old. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so. Not that it matters, but. Yeah. Um, stereotypically, you would expect that. But, yeah. And then she said, but you know what? Um, I'm glad I came because I think I finally got why you talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So wow. I had to like just lay lay down a little bit of my ego first yeah. to like be like, okay, you always skipped my Sundays? Well, um, and then <laughs> came back to saying like, obviously there was this big resistance mm-hmm. to whatever I was talking about. And then she was yeah. like, oh, okay. I finally understand now why it matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think for so many people, actually they don't, they haven't, yeah, experience the joy out of understanding that, like, first of all, I'm just as boring as they are. And second of all, (laughs) (laughs) when we can all just be in community, like, Mm -hmm. I know maybe it's really easy to say, but I see it work all the time. My liberation is tied to yours. Mm -hmm. And people in lots of different communities say that, right? Because it's true. And if, if I'm free to... Um, love deeply and to experience and even have a chance at intimacy and family and all of that kind of stuff. Um, That's only going to enhance other people's way of being Mm -hmm. in their own love and their families and all of those things. So um, I think that there is, we do each other a disservice by sort of resisting difference. Mm -hmm. And I'm using that, like I'm using that word difference a lot more, in the last, you know, couple of years, because I realized sometimes when we use a word like diversity, mm-hmm. we need it. It's a, it's a good word. Yeah. Sometimes it can tempt us to think about groups of people as check boxes mm-hmm. and which you'll never, you'll never check all the boxes and you'll always fail. Yeah. And I know this cause anytime I plan a panel for anything, like it's the most nightmarish <laughs> thing to ever do. Is it? Can you plan a panel for something? And you're like, I'm going to piss off nine different people. Yeah. I will get emails from them because you didn't have enough of some person that yeah. they want to represent it. Yeah. Now I'm not saying you can't really try to curate a good diverse mm-hmm. voices. You absolutely should. But sometimes we, we say, okay, diverse voices, okay, we have a woman, we have a gay guy, we have a trans person, we have this. Oh, we've got them all covered. And I think sometimes we can tend to feel like, okay, now we have that, but actually not understand that like, like no matter even if I have somebody who is also wearing a flannel shirt sitting next to me who's also a lesbian from Texas now is Canadian, all those things. Like we would have so many different things about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sometimes people think that when churches become affirming or when we sort of let go of this idea that religion doesn't have a place for us, that somehow, you know, we all have to be the same. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to have to be the same as you. Oh, I'm going to have to also, you know, be queer and do these things and, you know, do whatever at the pride parade. And I'm like, what what are you going to do at the pride parade? Walk? You know, that's what I do. Anyway. um, (laughs) Safe bet. Yeah. And so... (laughs) You know, I think understanding difference mm-hmm. and not being afraid of it. Yeah. Because think about what's happening in the States. Think about what even happens here all the time. Yeah. We are fueled nonstop. If we want to feed on it, we can feast all day and all night on the fear of difference. Yeah. 
and we will never get enough. And I think that it it doesn't stop outside the church walls. It is mm. just as alive in there. Yeah. And if anything, that's sometimes a big motivator for people to say like, yeah, I am this label and I'm going to try to change everybody else with a different label because mm-hmm. there's something. I, I mean, I went to missionary school yeah. and like the whole course on apologetics, it wasn't like, oh, let's learn about other religions because maybe we have, they have something to offer us. It was like, how can we prove that they're wrong in like five minutes or less? Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. Yeah. So it was only learning the enough basic things so I could tell people, I know this is really meaningful for you, but you're going to hell because I know the right way. Wow. Right? Yeah. And it was completely normal at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I just talked about 19 different subjects, but... That's good. <laughs> I think this idea of difference, I like that. I like the, mm-hmm. I, the, the idea and what it invites me to do yeah. as well. Um. I like difference. I like when you use it the way you're using it because it takes away negative positive to me. Like mm-hmm. it just says different. It doesn't say yeah. like, it's not like better or worse. It's not, it's just different. Yeah. Like plain and simple. I really like that. And to understand like we all hold contradictions. Of course. All the time. Yeah. Um, a really good friend of mine is uh, a speaker in the States and does a lot of theological stuff and they are just amazing. But they, you know, it, I was just laughing because they made this big post on Facebook about like rainbow capitalism and mm-hmm. pinkwashing and how we're just, you know, all just buying stuff, but it's going to corporate people because it has a rainbow on it and whatever. And then like the next post they made was like, got my converse in the mail and it was like rainbow converse, you know? And so I just laughed <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's funny because like they also mm-hmm. were like, yes, I'm a part of it. Yeah. Right. And so critiquing something at the same time being like, oh, I really love these converse and I'll look really great at pride in them, you know? And so, uh, I think understanding that, that we're, we are full of contradictions all mm. the time oh, yeah. and giving ourselves grace for that too and giving other people grace. Um, so, yeah. and then if I, if I look really closely at the things that I do too, like there's so many things that I do that, that I think like, oh yeah, this is the ultimate thing. And then I look over and I'm like, oh, I'm doing something that's kind of contrary to that. And, you know, coming back to, okay, but what is the priority for me to work on? Cause I can't work on all my faults at the same time um and man i want converse rainbow <laughs> sneakers now that's all i can think about that's awesome though like i uh i think it's funny because we're all like that we mm-hmm. all do that right we have that like cognitive blindness over one eye and then we're looking at like other people with our other eye unable to see that yeah it's kind of like uh it's really easy for people to judge until it's their turn right like it's like oh yeah, yeah. you should do this until it's you and then you're like, oh, I can do that. Like, that's too hard. Mm-hmm, that's too harsh. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's it's always perfect when I'm telling you from my armchair, yeah. right? Like, what you should do. And um, I think you mentioned it a couple of times about the flag, right? The rainbow flag. And so mm-hmm. for, for anyone um, who doesn't understand how important that is, and I'm not speaking for everyone who qualifies as queer. Like, I'm really not. Mm-hmm. But for myself, we just came up to this church about a year and a half ago. And, oh, what month is it? Is it November? Yeah, about a year and a half. Well, that's good mm. enough. My math is terrible. Worse than my English, so it's I'll just fine. stay away from it. It's okay. <laughs> um, the other day, somebody said something about calculus, and I was like, oh, don't even say that word. It hurts me. It's you're like, feelings. I never went to science class. <laughs> we don't need that. Okay? We have calculators on our phones now. It's yeah. fine. We're okay. Yeah, I can tell you the times I've done algebra 
since I've left university. Zilch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Um, but anyway, so yeah, back to the about the flag because I didn't think it mattered to me either. Okay, mm. because Central United is not affirming, so um, they don't have the flag. And um, my partner was Heather was involved in at one point in asking about it, and then right. it kind of just went by the wayside. They had their reasons, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not going to judge them for that. Um, I'm simply, I'm not even saying it out loud to judge them. I'm simply saying it because that's where I came from. So, yeah. and as we came up the hill to Wild Rose here, and it was interesting because I'd never, like I said, I didn't know it was that important. I went to Knox for meetings all the time and they're affirming and I saw their flag and it always made me smile because I'm yeah. like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, but when I came here and this was going to be my home church, uh, I, I hadn't even seen the flag before because I came in, we did a meeting with um, the minister and a couple of the staff members here mm -hmm. before we came in, but we came in the side door. So I didn't even oh. see it. I just walked, walked right in, of course. And then it was the first time I was walking up here to do a fifth step, to hear a fifth step with somebody. And I saw the flag and I stopped. I stopped in the driveway and I was like, I think I might cry. I don't really like this. I think <laughs> there's like dust out here. I'm like, hey, there's <laughs> dust. Um, but I did. I just, I had a moment and I just, I, and it, it's every time now. Like, the, yeah. because it does matter. Like, it, I don't, I, I, I was wrong. Like 100% mm -hmm. that when I thought that it didn't matter to me, uh, because it really does. Yeah. You know, it's important. It feels like safety. It feels like, um, and I, of course, it's just a flag. And I get that, that policy is different than actual practice. Like, I understand yeah. that. But what happened here was the, the policy kind of matched the practice. Yeah. Right? Like, right away. Where there was like this, um, with that, because with that flag, and you also mentioned this, is that we're accountable. Mm -hmm. If we're going to put that up, we're going to be accountable for our behavior here. Yeah. Right. And I think if, um, if I take, go back with myself about 15 years and if I was, uh, somewhere that didn't want that, right. Yeah. It would be simple just to keep it the same way. Right. Because we don't realize how much we need to grow until we're growing. Yeah. Right. Like we, lots of us, and I'm not saying every human, but there's obviously anomalies, but we'll just think we're fine right? Mm -hmm. This is the way it's been forever. Yeah. And see now though, it's okay to say, okay, this is the way it's been forever. That doesn't mean that's the best way. Mm -hmm. Right. Because everything has changed so fast. Yeah. Like what we can learn, what we know, like, um, and I was one of those people, the more people taught me, I felt like how dumb I was before. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because I'd locked myself up from learning because I didn't want to tell people who I was. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's like this and it's people like yourself and like Heather, because Heather was very much like took me to my first pride parade and and just made me feel like it was OK, mm -hmm. you know, to be myself, yeah. like with another person intimately. It was yeah. so in incredible that what yeah. that did. I can't even imagine now a life where I don't go in the pride parade because it's just yeah. a part of like accepting more and more of who we are. Right. Yeah. And, and being able to, to see that. You know? It's so interesting that you say, you know, that you shut yourself off from learning because you couldn't, you couldn't accept yourself mm -hmm. because I think that's so true for so many people who, you know, it, it might even be too painful for them to, for example, read a book that says maybe there's a different way to see these scriptures that have always been used against mm. you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's really scary and, and you're actually taught to be scared to doubt yeah. to be scared to question. Yeah. And then often that can lead to when you do come out and you're on the 
proverbial other side or Mm -hmm. you're sort of through some of those things, you can feel like, oh my gosh, it was so naive. I was so horrible. When in fact, you were just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I, and I often will tell people like, give yourself a huge break because you're here now Mm -hmm. and whatever path it took you, however long, you know, it took me almost a quarter of a century Mm -hmm. um, and marriage to a guy and all these other things that Mm -hmm. I did. And I don't know any other way that I could have gotten through them, but I, I did somehow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and at the same time, you know, one thing that you said earlier about like people not wanting to change or until it's put on to them, is I remember thinking when I when I first started to sort of come out that I thought, what would I think about gay people if I wasn't gay? Mm-hmm. What if I would have never changed my mm-hmm. mind? Because I was not, I was so homophobic. Yeah, so was I. Well, right? Yeah. yeah. And... You know, it's not like I ever did anything super overtly to, you know, try to mm-hmm. harm um, gay people. But um, the mentality. Yeah. yeah. But the mentality was, oh my gosh, it was almost the worst thing mm-hmm. you could be. Yeah. And so, you know, so I sometimes I just, I, I try to be really honest about that because I, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know where I would be on it. I really hope that I would have taken the invitation for when good information was presented to me. And I hope that, you know, if there was something else that happened to my life, I would have some sort of access point to understand some of that, um, way of being in the world. But, you know, I think that that is true that there are so many times, you know, before I really, before I pursued a divorce from my ex-husband and before I came out, you know, I really thought like, why are people like just not being good all the time like me, you know, like it was awful. It was so horrible. I mean, I still had a great sense of humor and good hair, but at the same time, (laughs) I was really awful in a lot of other ways. So, you know, I think it helps, it helps, I think to remind ourselves that however, you know, I I could easily be like, well, now I'm so woke and so aware Mm. and so queer and so, you know, this and this, like, I I really have nothing else to learn. And so now it's my job to also tell people what to do, right? Sounds reasonable. Which is just, I mean, it sounds like I'd be so fun at a party. Um, But I think at the same time, we have to resist we all do have to resist mm-hmm. that if we found some sort of liberation or awareness, yeah. we can also still hold on to that same zeal that we had in whatever institution it was before mm-hmm. and try to enforce that in whatever community we're in now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for example, you know, when, when I first came out, like I didn't really understand that there was some animosity towards other letters in my acronym right? Mm. Like an LGBTQ acronym, right? Like, oh, well, these people are really gay. These people are too. These people are not. These people are whatever. And I was like, oh, like, am I like, what do I think about this? Mm. I'd never thought about it because I was just worrying about myself. Right. But, and then, you know, and then I really saw, oh, wow, there's this this real sense of if we don't pin everybody down to a label, if, if we don't feel like they're safe enough in, in what we think, 
that reminds us, us of this like sort of heteronormative society. And so we still have to clamp down on people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, we're doing the same thing. Yeah. We're doing the same thing that was done to us. Yeah. Right. And I think often in sometimes in activist move, movements, we can also enforce that same uh, looming exile. Yeah. If you mess up at all, if you don't know the right thing, mm-hmm. if you don't do it in the right timing, you're out. Mm-hmm. And sort of dangle people's sense of community over them. And yeah. so I think it's just a human thing that we have to be aware of mm-hmm. no matter where we're at in life, no yeah. matter how much we've read, no matter yeah. how many, you know, different friends and groups of people we work with, mm-hmm. that we always will have that tendency yeah. to to really grasp onto whatever power, whatever that mm-hmm. thing is. None of us are immune. No, definitely And not. it's really tempting and especially living in, in this world right now when like literally you can sometimes just like feel the fear on your fingertips oh, or yeah. you hear it in the news yeah. and you just think, oh my gosh. And and I'm not just talking about the states right here in Alberta, right here mm-hmm. in Calgary, in Canada, right? Um, there's so much of it. And then I think it really tempts us to also um, say, I need to control something. Yeah. And so I just think that I try to be aware of that. Okay, what? who am I trying to control right now? What mm-hmm. is happening? What am I feeling? Yeah. Do I need to really like respond to that thing on Facebook and, yeah. you know, feel like I need to put somebody in their place? Or maybe I just have to like take a bath right now or yeah. something. <laughs> Write my own journal to myself mm-hmm. instead of posting something right now. And believe me, there's a time for anger and action. I mean, that's, totally. you got to be 60-40 and you got to do anger and action, you know. Um but I just think that also having tools for introspection and not feeling like you've ever arrived, I think are really key. Yeah. Key. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know anyone who's alive who's arrived anywhere. No. It's continually evolving. Right. And if we're, you know, if we're done learning, then there's no room for anybody else around us to evolve. Yeah. Right. That's right. And that's what I found too, was when mm-hmm. I had limited myself because of my fear. Right. For sure. Um, I found that I was limiting the people I was exposed to, yeah. which of course means we're only going to get reinforced what we want reinforced, yep. which is what we know, which is yeah. in, at some point what we know becomes not enough, right? Because, or else we could just stop learning, you know? And I, I just think it's incredible that like your people like yourself, and I said this to you before we started recording, but um, have put themselves on the forefront of these movements like this because um, first of all, guys like me, we don't have enough courage. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> right. Like we got me, we may have courage for other things, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But in terms of this, this is one area of, of life where, um, I hope that the next, like my nieces and my nephews and whoever mm-hmm. else comes down the line, I just hope that we can continually open the minds and, and those dialogues, right. So yeah. that we don't have to be fixed in this rigid, like, mindset of um but sorry and to go back to touch on a point that you made that i i I find this so incredible when i hear about it from other people outside of the circles that i run with Mm -hmm. but it's uh shit this is this is what happens when you drink for too long and you don't you go unabated um your brain just kind of goes what what were you thinking um but you were talking about what were you just talking about um, I'm getting a notebook, by the way. I'm going to bring it Something up about learning and we can't ever stop learning. Yeah, you yeah. can't ever stop learning. And um, where my brain was going to was how can we make it easier 
to continue learning, I guess, is mm-hmm. like, how do we make it less about resistance and more about um, the positivity of learning? Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's kind of like, this is what it was. You you'd pointed out that sometimes we get so zealous, overzealous mm-hmm. in our one particular area and then we start preaching it like it's yeah. the commandments again right yeah. and of course that's the same in any like area of life that i've experienced where people are changing right yeah. it's like this we've got this gospel now same and i'm not going to say any 12 step groups specifically because honestly it's more than just one they they take the information they have and they treat it like it's the gospel mm-hmm. um what what i found interesting to me is cuz like I, I don't know how long you, you were you raised in a church Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Raised from the time I was before I was born, yeah. right? So, yeah. like having scriptures read while I was in mom's belly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so it's like that you're fighting against all that dogma, mm-hmm. and then now we're we're trying to make it. We want to make it accessible, I think, for change. Yeah, and I think what one of the things I've noticed is that we make it less accessible for change when we condemn people. Mm-hmm. We just make it's less accessible because all people yeah. do get mad. Yeah, right, and then they hold on to their like old ideas rigidly. not realizing there's there's more to it Mm -hmm. but you mentioned this as well okay it's coming back to me see my brain's not too bad there we go yeah Yeah, it's it's working um (laughs) then i say something stupid like that and my brain's like oh really you want me to work (laughs) Mm, excellent (laughs) um but we're just trying to make it more accessible for people to succeed Mm -hmm. right yeah and and i think that's the same with with the rain with the rainbow flag right Mm -hmm. it's like each of these things, these steps, are we're trying to make it more accessible so that we don't have to beat you over the head. Yeah. Right? Like I I don't I don't wanna have to condemn someone just to get them to buy in. Yeah. Right? I, and so a few years ago when I first started to work at a church, I never thought I would. I, I thought I was done with this mm-hmm. place, with this mm-hmm. business, right? Like my dad's business was it. That was it. I'm done. Yeah. Um, but I I I came to a service one night and the, and it was open enough to where I was like, and it was my dad talking. It was the only person I could listen to. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it, but I still could listen to it, right? Because <laughs> it like practiced behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opened that door enough that I could see that he let go of his zealousness, mm-hmm. right? And one of the reasons why he let go of that, because there was not as much fear left. So what I've seen in like 12-step groups is people come in, they get sober. They say, oh my God, this this works. This is my shit. Yeah, this is yeah. my jam. So now I'm going to yeah. sing it from the rooftops. And I'm going to drag everybody in. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, that just goes into another level of um, evangelical stuff. Right. Which, of course, when you're talking to someone in a 12-step group and they're like condemning the Bible and condemning mm-hmm. religions and then they're doing the same thing, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned. Yeah. This is a long way to get back to what you're talking about. <laughs> no, it all feeds together. Well, yeah, and I it, see what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, right, where it, it all... Fear is what keeps us rigidly holding on mm-hmm. because we're afraid, right? Yeah. I get that, man. I'm afraid all the time, right? Yeah. I, I want to rigidly hold on. Yeah. Um, but the only time growth comes is when we let go, yeah. right? And just just let go. Like, what are we holding on to anyway? Yeah. Like, I mean, I listened to this old timer talk about sexist stuff and bigoted stuff, and I listened to him, and then I, I listened to... Uh, a friend of mine tell him what she thought of him and in an open forum because he wasn't shy and it's funny because lots of girls are laughing nervously and mm-hmm. and even guys were even like I wasn't laughing I don't I don't get anything this gentleman shares I don't mm-hmm. quite get it so mm-hmm. it kind of escapes me and I'm like as soon as someone starts being like bigoted and stuff like that I'm like ah 
let's talk to him after because I know him. So mm-hmm. I could say something, but I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because more and more um, women are catching on to the fact that they don't have to just take it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this is crazy that, that they would just sit, that we would just sit there and listen to this garbage. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and uh, I, anyway, I am off on a tangent now. So I'm going to come back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting that what you said about, you know, we can be dogmatic about anything, Mm -hmm. right? There's a great article by this um, author and activist out of uh, Seattle, and their name is Francis Lee. And this article came out a couple years ago, and I've always, and I've thought about it a lot. Um, The title, I think, is please excommunicate me from the church of social justice. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was sort of this idea of the same thing. Like even in social justice groups, we can also be sort of thrown out Mm -hmm. because it's really easy for us to just, okay, now we're safe in this group. Now we're all okay. Mm -hmm. Let's write, let's write all the rules and anybody who goes against the rules is out. Mm -hmm. Right. I understand that yeah. because believe you me, I when I find some community and I sort of find, okay, I don't have to really be worried in all these ways. Mm-hmm. Like I just want that to be that way everywhere. I mm-hmm. want everybody to be on the same wavelength. I don't want to have to explain anything or anything like that when I go along. However, if that's what I expect in every circumstance, including the 600 people that I randomly know online, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to feel like I have to really enforce that all day long, every day. Yeah. And in the, in the doing of that, I'm also going to alienate a lot of people from that. And so I think you're right. I mean, we can take even something that's really, really good Mm -hmm. and has a lot of meaning for us. Um, but as soon as we are trying to enforce that, Mm -hmm. I think we have to be really careful. Um, and, and I'm saying this as an activist who tries to get people to change for a living. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's always checking what is my motivation? Yeah. Right? Is my motivation to look smart? You know, is it sort of uh, you know, just sort of politics and that I'm mm. more like morally superior than you or is my motivation out of like genuine we have to change this because yeah. people's lives and their well-being and their fullness of life is at stake. Yeah. And I think recalibrating back to that because there can be a lot of you know i've dealt dealt with a lot of people who you write you know you might share this really amazing article and Mm -hmm. then somebody says like actually we use this word now you know Mm -hmm. and you're just like oh okay well i understand every single thing that i ever share may not be perfect but (laughs) didn't you get this other idea from it you know Mm -hmm. and i and i would you know say the same thing about people who are sort of stuck in in these ideas in churches and and sometimes feel like if I give up this this thing, if I say that this thing that I probably just like you and I that we've been taught most of our lives that you know being queer in some way mm-hmm. under that umbrella is wrong. If I give this up, what else does it mean? Yeah, is it going to change anything else for me? Um, and will I see that maybe my faith is more like a house of cards than I thought it was Mm -hmm. that if I just sort of pull one thing out and change something that it's all going to disappear. Cause that's what I felt. I'm like, Oh, if I think that I'm okay, what else do I think is okay? Oh my gosh. And then after I came out, I was like, Oh, I think like pretty much the same things are okay and not okay. Like "Mm, still don't Mm want to murder anybody. Still don't think it's good. You know, like I'm like, Oh, I checked in. Yeah, actually I think I'm more in tune with, (laughs) with what Mm -hmm. I think, you know, is, is, meaningful and and you know helpful for other people or not 
so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. All of the work that we do in anything that we're doing is so nuanced. Mm -hmm. And, and I think especially working in these intersections, like we talked about at the beginning, it's just so interesting because I think that a lot of people think that the faith community and queer community are just so completely different. And I would say it, they're so completely similar. Mm -hmm. What is different, I think is the institution, the institution, the religious institution, um, takes a long time you know it's like the pope is like oh i think i'll apologize for something 500 years ago you know it's Mm -hmm. like okay we have a ways to catch up on that whereas i think the beauty and one of the gifts of being queer and of the queer community is like because we've had to survive Mm -hmm. because we've had to imagine a future that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and work towards that and live towards that we have this sense of imagination of the possibility mm-hmm. that is so unique and so strong. Mm-hmm. And then you add any other intersection into that and whatever else we've had to do to survive because of those things, mm-hmm. um, the imagination just keeps going. And mm-hmm. I think it's not, so when I think about affirming people, affirming churches, affirming communities. I don't just think, oh, wow, queer people really need to be able to go to church. I think church needs queer people Mm -hmm. because we must change and we Mm -hmm. must be a different voice than than the dominant voice that's out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that people who have been consistently pushed out to the margins understand the imagination that it takes to continue and to continue joyfully, to continue and still... Um, have any sort of grace and forgiveness mm-hmm. for yourself and for other people. And, you know, so I think the revolution of our faith moving forward actually depends a lot on the people that we have considered fringe. Oh, yeah. To continue. Yeah. The only way for that institution, this institution, which changes at a glacier speed. Yeah. Like, if not worse than a glacier speed, yeah. is like for people who are, quote, yeah, on the fringe. I like how you say that because it's not really the fringe. That's, that's the evolution. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that's hard. It's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard for, I mean, it's hard for me. I, Jesus, I'm bisexual and I've had nothing but one painful thing after another in my head, keeping me from just being open, right? Yeah. For 40 yeah. some years until yeah. finally it, things just shifted. And it, well, I'm not gonna say finally, I'm gonna say unfortunately, because on the one hand, it was the event that happened in Miami when that club got shot up, mm. right? And that like hit me between the eyes because yeah. these kids that they they risked their lives just to go dancing, right? Yeah. And what it made me think about was all the people who um, came before and risked their lives just by holding hands or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Like it, um, that, that stuff is baffling how um, just enmeshed in that darkness we just get, mm-hmm. right? Like, and we... You know, if you asked your like nine out of 10 people, 10 out of 10, probably, probably 9.9% out of 10 people would say, um, no, of course we don't want anyone to die. Right. Like Mm -hmm. most people would say that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they don't understand how some of the beliefs we hold lead people to die. Yeah. Right. Like, and um, you, you know, probably way more than I do about folks um, taking their life instead Mm -hmm. of coming out. Right. And the stories of that are tragic and and it just goes beyond tragedy right because there's so much there yeah when you when you have a a child take their life 
because of these type of things. This is a big deal. Yeah. Right. And, um, I, I hope I'm not cutting you off. No, I, I'm just, I was thinking about the, um, just all the stuff that, uh, anyone who struggles with any sort of queer identity is going to go through. Uh, and the, the fact that, um, even I was one of these people, so I'm not trying to be judgmental of others. Because when I was younger, I was homophobic. When I was younger, mm-hmm. I tried so hard to protect my secret that I I made sure the guys around me never thought for a second that I was right. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, I I spent great efforts to make sure, you yeah. know. Uh, so when when I'm looking back on it, and I think of when someone says, "Well, why why should we treat you special?" And I say, well, not me personally, because like, first of all, I haven't done anything to deserve that. But if you're thinking of queer people in general, why, why you should treat them specially, special is because, well, they've never enjoyed rights. Mm-hmm. So when you're taking some, a, a population of people who've never had rights to, to love, let's just put the basic thing. You've never yeah. had the right to love who you wanted to love. And all of a sudden, these people are able to have this right, and you think they shouldn't be feeling special about it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's easy if you know you could always do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But for these people, and and like, um, one of my close friends, he lost his brother during the, like the eighties and nineties, the crisis, right, mm-hmm. with AIDS, and how people treated him like garbage, right, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and um, how up until his death. Right. And I know my friend, he talks about his brother because his brother was special, right? Mm-hmm. His brother knew this is just the way it is. This is how we have wow. to go. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's just so hard. Right. And, the, and this is why it's so important for me, for people like yourself. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to blow smoke uh, at you or anything. I just, I mean this from my heart because, um, like it's kind of broken for all those people, right. That yeah. have, that have died because of this. And, yeah. um, it probably, when I was using still, if I had a, because one of my suicide attempts was specifically because of this. Like oh I, um, I came out of uh, being in the bathhouse and I used to sell myself there. But so, so if those of you out there who don't know what the bathhouse is, it's where um, gay or straight men go to be with other gay or straight men, mm-hmm. right? And I say that because there's lots of straight men that come there mm-hmm. uh, or that went there. So I come out of there and I, I, it was like a week binge or whatever. And usually I don't feel anything. I didn't feel nothing um, coming out of there because of all the drugs and shit. But it was uh, something that happened in the news and I realized, holy crap, like I just got to end my life because I can't, I can't keep hiding this, mm-hmm. but I'm not strong enough to come out. Yeah. And it would literally try to take my life because of it. And after that, Something, someone, a gay man came into my life and was kind, right? And kind in a way that I'd never experienced mm-hmm. because it wasn't just like, uh, like he could, he could tell that I was kind of like torn, right? Like yeah. being, being torn apart by this whole thing. And uh, it was just so nice that he was able to have compassion in a, in a world that wasn't compassionate, right? Because yeah. uh, when you, when a, whole subculture of humans have to go underground into the dark rooms of a bathhouse i'm going to try to express to uh, people out there how that feels when you go in 
you feel ashamed walking towards the building. And it's not even that I'm, I am not an advocate of high risk sex lifestyles. Okay. Like I'm not, and mm-hmm. I want people to be alive, mm-hmm. which means I want you to be careful. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously. Um, but the truth of the matter is when you're going, when I was going in there, oh, so it gives me so much shame even like now I'm mm-hmm. um, thinking about how it used to feel to walk up there and yeah. be like, who sees me? Who's watching me? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and, so living that way for, I don't know how long it took you um, to come out mm-hmm. but before or, or since the torture started, the mental mm-hmm. torture. I don't mm-hmm. know um, in your story how that was. I, I never had a moment without the mental torture, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes it was my own fault because I would reinforce that stereotype, right? Oh, yeah. We're so good at, at yeah. self-policing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To try to keep us, keep our behavior, right, in check uh, and... uh yeah, anyway, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but I I just, when I think of people like yourself uh, who do these things and we talk about the fringe coming into the center, mm-hmm. and I, I, I believe it's going to happen anyway. Like, I, I think that, because like we said earlier, people are going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to alarm I anybody. I call it na- natural attrition. <laughs> natural attrition, I like that. I'm going to use that probably because <laughs> so when you say people are going to die, people are like, he wants people to die? Yeah, because some of us need to die. Like, it's just the way it is. Well, and at the same time, it's really interesting, though, is is like, I think sometimes in, and I will say like in church situations, people people sort of say that, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, we have so many 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds. And let's face it, in the United Church, like, honestly, the average age is like 70, right? <laughs> so I, I walk in and they're it. like, oh, my gosh, we have a youth group now just because you're here. You yeah. Know? Oh, that's right. They expect <laughs> you to start a youth group. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, No. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, but at the same time, I think sometimes we infantilize older adults mm-hmm. and think that they can't change or aren't open to 100%. it or maybe like haven't been through civil rights and all these other things yeah. like before. And they, you know, I, I think about my grandparents who like my grandmother grew up on a potato farm, you know, in Idaho, like it, like what she's been through <laughs> yeah. to get to now yeah. to like texting you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it is just a whole different world and 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 sometimes i think we do um older adults a disservice not that not that some of them just like people my age aren't totally stuck in their ways yeah. right and i think that that is really unhealthy but at the same time you know some people are like oh well i couldn't ask my grandmother to accept something you know mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah you can actually yeah. You can, because we all have the ability to adapt yeah. and to change. And we all have the ability to say, mm-mm, I, I don't want that. Yeah. And I think going back to something you said before about, you know, why this matters is, you know, I think about somebody like you, you know, walking through the world. I may never know to look at you mm. that there's anything different about you mm. or that I might have more in common with you than, than I think. Yeah. And yet I'm sure that you were in a lot of situations where you heard a lot of things about people like you Mm -hmm. because maybe people didn't know that you were queer. Mm -hmm. And, and so therefore probably reinforced every time, oh, right. I'm not in a world that's safe for Mm -hmm. me. I was right. I'm not. Yeah. And, and I think about that because so often in churches people say, well, why, why would we be affirming? There's no gay people here. And I was oh, like, how many people come here? Oh, yeah. 125. Yeah, you have like 12 at least. <laughs> at least, yeah. Right? And they're like, no, we don't. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if they're married. doesn't matter what they look like. Mm-hmm. None of that matters. Yeah. You have people 
who are not heteronormative, mm-hmm. not cisgender, you know, mm-hmm. and they're in your midst because we're everywhere, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. But it also means that sometimes we're privy to conversations where yeah. we hear about people like us. And that's really, really wounding. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest reason why, you know, other than like the personal reasons when I think about like human hearts and all those things that motivate me to keep doing this mm-hmm. stuff, I really think there's been such a concerted, focused, funded political um ferocious movement to exile queer people out of religion mm-hmm. for so long like so focused mm-hmm. laser focused that it requires that in return mm-hmm. yeah the laser focus so yeah. a religious attack requires a religious response mm-hmm. And so in order to respond to all of those things, we're not saying, oh, we, we just decided that we need to be special. No, no, mm-hmm. no. We're no. just responding yeah. to what you, uh, the big C church yeah. and all these other things have been doing to us for yeah. a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And so it requires that specificity of mm-hmm. action. It requires, yes, it requires a rainbow flag. Yes, yeah. it requires all these conversations. Yeah. Yes, it's going to require those things uh just to even balance it out a little Mm -hmm. bit and to even begin to sort of come back into equilibrium around it and one of the things i I even think of is like even when we think of affirming we honestly think of a single gay person Mm -hmm. right most of the times in conversations people are like yes yes we have a gay person here you know (laughs) which is funny you know (laughs) the other day somebody was like oh yeah yeah we're in a affirming church and i was like oh well tell me more about that and they're like oh yeah we have a lesbian here and i was like well i saw a lesbian at safeway but it's not an affirming safeway that i know (laughs) you know and it was just like Oh, okay. You know, it's just like the co-location. If they're co-located, the co-location. Here, then like, I guess we have, you know, we have one. So we obviously, you know, are affirming now. And I'm like, well, what happens when they leave? Because they hear you talking about them like this yeah. anyway. But, you know, the oftentimes when we think about affirming, uh, we think, we think about accepting like a singular person. Mm-hmm. Right? A singular nice person. That's right. Nice gay cisgender person. Yeah. That's that's the thing that we think about mostly. Or when I'm talking to churches, like yeah. they kind of ever thinking that way. But then you go into like maybe a transgender person. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. a couple, maybe, you know, all these different iterations, then that's also expansive. Yeah. And then what we're actually what I'm hoping to that that we continue that we start to sort of open up about, um, and then in the next few years to even start to have conversations around is queer families, mm-hmm. because guess what? We're not just one person. Yeah. Sometimes we're in relationships just like straight people. Sometimes we have kids just like straight people, mm-hmm. and there are probably specific things that that need to be thought about. Um, if I'm coming to your church and with my partner and my kids, mm-hmm. um, that sometimes straight couples don't have to deal with, yeah. you know, there was a, um, 
counselor who I talked to the other day and she was asking me like, is there a difference between like counseling, you know, gay couples versus straight couples? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there really is. Right. And I was like, uh, yeah, not because we're more broken, but because we have to deal with different things all the time. And, and, and a really quick example is that, you know, when I was single and I was dating people, like literally like the third or fourth question on a date is like, oh, who doesn't talk to you anymore? You know, like, oh, who, you know, like, are your parents okay with you? No, you mm. know, and we're ju- you're just like, it's a normal thing to be like, yeah. who exiled you yeah. for being you? Yeah. It's just a normal question. And we, we're we not like surprised by it. We're yeah. just, it's just information. Yeah. Cause it's just a part of the story, right? It just yeah. is part of the story. And so, you know, when can we get to the point where actually when we are in relationships and we do have families that we're also affirmed mm-hmm. and like you said before, that we, that people wish us success, mm. right? Yeah, why not? I mean, it's so simple, <laughs> Yeah. but like for, for me, like my family will never wish my relationship success. Mm. They won't. Mm-hmm. And, and part of them, uh, will probably, you know, they're very, I, I love them a lot, but part of them might even feel a little bit relieved, um, you know, when I've had breakups or different mm. things like that, thinking, oh, maybe this will, you know, re, oh, yeah. you know, change you back into yeah. being straight or whatever, right? And so even our our breakups are judged, you mm-hmm. know, we can't just be a person going through a breakup, yeah. you know, we're like, Oh, maybe people, Oh, maybe she's straight. Like when straight people break up, Oh, I guess he's gay. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I wish I want everybody to be queer, but you know, <laughs> I, be easier. sorry, straight people. I you can be you. No, don't worry. Um, some of my best friends are straight. It's not true. Only two of them. Are. I, I, I love, I love this. I love listening to you like backpedal to make sure you include your straight friends. <laughs> yeah. I do have straight friends. I swear to God. <laughs> I love, I love it, it. It's so funny when I talk about going to an affirming church for my, for the first time, like I remember going in and, uh, I was like, was late. So I had to sit like in the second row and I'm like looking around and I was, I sat down by this appear by all appearances, a, an older straight heterosexual couple. And I, and I just remember thinking like, Oh, there's nothing wrong with that, with them being straight, but like, you just got to keep your eye on them. You know, like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it, but I just yeah. gotta, you know, like this could get just, problematic. You don't, you just don't know, you know, like usually they're kind. Usually you can, you know, come up to them and approach them, but just with some caution, you know, yeah. just like, <laughs> And I love it. Use caution. Just a little bit of caution. You never know. Just you know, like sniff, sniff them out. Bit, see, <laughs> see how it is. But it's funny because so often, like queer people, are talked about like that, like mm-hmm. just all the time, you know. Yeah. Or like, oh yeah, but it's okay. Like you know, we will allow you to to teach Sunday school, right? And you're like, oh, would you say that about like redheads? Like you know, we don't agree with it, but we allow them to teach Sunday school. You know, we just we just tell them to. Tell the kids you know you don't want to be like this you don't want red hair this is an actually i love red red hair and green gables is like my first crush uh ever but you know like it's just it's so (laughs) interesting how when we reverse that language Mm -hmm. it it i mean we're laughing right because it's so ridiculous and yet on the other side of it it's just it's so normal Mm -hmm. to just be like well they that you know they do this and you know like like it's some sort of secret thing you know Mm -hmm. and i mean it is secret we have clubs and you can't come straight yeah. people <laughs> but no um i wish actually you're only oh, man, allowed to come if you're willing to participate 
<laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's interesting because I, I feel like often, you know, us laughing, I think that humor is actually really important in activism. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, we talked about like I had a band for four years and I play music and I mm-hmm. do queer feminist ukulele comedy and all those things. Um, and probably one of the best songs I've ever heard about the female period. <laughs> yeah. Yes, menstruation. I, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because I think also to me using humor like i have to Mm. just to like just to i mean we've talked about we've covered like so many things in this conversation and if we don't have those things if we don't have some levity if we don't sometimes just go home and watch chef's table or you know something Mm. like you know we can't we can't be sort of stuck in that in that place all the time and sort of in war mode, you mm-hmm. know, and if we have, I, I understand it's a privilege to have the luxury to not be in that space all the time. Mm-hmm. So if we're able to, to sort of recharge in that way, yeah. um, it's because, more yeah, sustainable, it's more sustainable. Yeah. And honestly, you know, when we're able to sometimes offer that to other people and mm-hmm. the work that we do, um, it's so much more invitational, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I think it's really interesting because often you know, I'll have conversations with people who maybe at the beginning of the conversation felt like, you know, I was going to be, you know, expecting them to know everything by the end of it or mm-hmm. that I was going to try to change their mind. And the funniest comment that, that I've gotten recently is this woman who sort of sat across from me at the beginning of the conversation, like one of her child came out and she was really struggling with it. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to meet with me. And so she sat down, she requested to meet with me, right? Let's just say this. So the first sentence she said is, I need you to know I'm really homophobic. And I was like, okay, so do you want some coffee? Like, I was just like. (laughs) What do you people drink? Yeah, I understand. (laughs) Okay. But at the end of of the conversation, she was like, oh, I never, like, you're actually like really funny and kind and, you know, and I was like, "Uh you know, (laughs) and so, you know, I, I, I just think it's really interesting, A, that, that she thought it was a compliment, but, you know, I'll take mm-hmm. it. But, you know, how fearful we are and, like, sometimes just being able to help people just laugh and see how some of our ideas can be ridiculous sometimes yeah. can, can release some of that un- uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. And a great quote I heard a long time ago that I always think about is, if some people are comfortable all the time, some people are uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. And so our hope is not to never feel discomfort. Mm-hmm. Our hope is that when we are, and if, if it's not life-threatening, but mm-hmm. when we're able to give up a little bit of comfort, we understand it means, oh, I'm making space for somebody else to feel a little bit of comfort right now. Yeah. Right? And I think about that in the context of any community, faith or otherwise, where again, we come back to that idea of difference. Mm -hmm. Oh, I may not like this certain thing. Oh, you know, I don't, there's a, you know, this part of this ritual I don't like, or, oh, it's too cold in here and, you know, whatever. And if we're able to sometimes give up the things that don't really matter, Mm -hmm. that discomfort actually is, is a huge to be really churchy blessing 
to other people. And it creates a space. And I think actually being able to deal with some of that discomfort is a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And I would say to people who sort of hold on to their traditions and their institutions, like sort of until death. um, Do you feel, do you know that your discomfort with these things changing actually is a blessing for so many people? Mm -hmm. Because it means when they come into this community or when they have a conversation with you, they have a little bit of space mm-hmm. that you've just sort of taken for granted this whole time. Yeah, And I think actually that's the gift of uh, being in these spaces where, you know, I had somebody tell me the other day, oh my gosh, you're so patient. I don't understand. Don't you get really angry? And I'm like, oh man, I would just, I could not deal with myself <laughs> at mm-hmm. the end of the day if I did. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think for me also always comes back to, first of all, I let myself know that I can get out of the church world if mm-hmm. I need to, right? Yep. After the the massacre at the Pulse nightclub, mm-hmm. I thought about that yeah. then because um, I was interviewed at a at a memorial service for it, and I remember looking in the paper and seeing my name and a comma and a church's name after it. And it was after a bunch of politicians and some other people who were you know, quote unquote Christians had said really awful things about what happened. And I just thought, can I even have any integrity and have, have my name in the same sentence as anything that might be harmful for people Mm -hmm. or, um, just, you know, feel like they can't trust me or, you know, whatever. And so I hold that complexity Mm -hmm. and understand that, a lot of the things that I bring with my history and who I am hold those things. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I think my work is understanding that the history I bring with me is not the history that I'm making. Mm -hmm. And nobody gets to decide for me who God is. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets to decide for me what faith means or who it's meant for Mm -hmm. or who can find meaning in it. And, so those complexities, I go back and forth all mm-hmm. the time because uh, actually in a different podcast I, I was on a couple of weeks ago, this guy was like, so why Christianity though, Pam? You know, why this specific thing? And That's I was like, question. I don't know. Like, and he just laughed because he <laughs> thought I was going to have some deep thing. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. It just happens to be, I can't get away from it. And who knows that it might not be the same mm-hmm. forever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the beautiful thing about this practice for me is, is I think it, it helps me have to be comfortable with complexity Mm -hmm. and not have to decide everything, not to have every single line in the sand. Um, and again, to be cheesily Christian, uh, just for a moment, it also reminds me that I need grace too, Mm -hmm. because if I forget that, then none of my activist work, however it might look on on the outside, will actually mean anything to me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need that too. And yeah. I need to sometimes be able to ask people maybe ignorant questions. Yeah. And hopefully they know I have a good intention. Um, mm-hmm. And then how can I pay that forward? Because yeah. I'm never going to arrive. Yeah. And, you know... The queer community, I think, in so many ways, we've evolved a lot in the last mm-hmm. even couple of years. 
not evolved as in we've changed because we all are always who we are always yeah, of course but in the ways that maybe we're sometimes a little bit safer or sometimes mm-hmm. now we have a word for something that we didn't before or yeah. we've discovered that we had a word for it and and people said no mm-hmm. you don't and you know we've there's a lot of different things so like you know, five years ago, maybe even three years ago, like I never would have probably went to an event where people asked about pronouns, Mm. right? Whereas now, and I mean, it could have been more, um, a quicker evolution of that specific thing in other communities, but in my community. And now that's sort of an expected really good thing Mm -hmm. at events that you go to. And so I think that evolution of being able to be in touch with this world too, like reminds me like, oh yeah, it's sort of, I think the sort of humility that our faith calls us to have is I can't assume anything about you before you tell me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I couldn't assume your identity just because I think I, you know, I have this matrix in my head of, I mean, we all do, we're socially yeah. conditioned to, to try to figure out a lot of things about each other, yeah. which is not inherently wrong. But are we are we open to, oh, actually, I don't know that this thing about David mm-hmm. unless David tells me this. Yeah. And having the humility to say, if you tell me something different than I would have guessed, that you get to decide and I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that I love the word affirm mm-hmm. better than welcome because welcome assumes that I'm allowing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can come in. Yeah. Um, which also assumes that I can not welcome you yeah whereas affirming means if you tell me who you are i just say yeah yeah that's who you are wow right and it removes me out of the equation except for being somebody that comes alongside you and says yeah it is and i want to root for you to succeed Mm -hmm. i don't get to decide anything about you except for just being alongside you on the journey Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of affirming to me of us to sometimes be able to let go that we get to decide everything Mm -hmm. that we get to accept or reject who people are other humans yeah and that we can just say like oh it's really beautiful that you told me that Mm -hmm. it is who you are that is your name that is your pronoun that is your way of being Mm -hmm. that is your time of exploration if you don't know or whatever okay and that's probably the hardest thing for us to do in lots of different contexts. But mm-hmm. I think for me and my faith, faith practice and for what I want the world to be, I have to practice that. Yeah. And sometimes I'm really uncomfortable practicing that. I bet. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so much to be learned in these intersections that mm-hmm. really are so threaded through that they're, I barely think of them as intersections at all because they're so threaded for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they really speak to each other. And I think also to allow queer folks to say your spirituality can have a lot of meaning for you mm-hmm. um, without betraying you. Yeah. And that there's a lot of places mm-hmm. and, and people that, that can come around you if that's something that's meaningful for you. Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. I'm so glad you're here. Um, what time? How much time we got? Hour and 40. We're at hour and 40? Oh my gosh. Holy <laughs> shit. I was like, I think we're like five minutes over. I was thinking like 10 maybe. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. Um, uh, well, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not sorry because this has been incredible. So, um, yeah. I, I, thank you so much. Um, I do want to say like when I, when I say old timers, 
what what I'm really thinking about is is any of us, myself included, who falls prey to this, like anyone else, um, is old ideas. The old rigid ideas is what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. I, I'm not talking, and I'm not trying to condemn anyone who has a hard time changing. Uh, first of all, I got no room to judge. Okay, change for me has been damn near impossible, mm-hmm. especially about some of those like ingrained uh, habits yeah. and patterns and stuff. Uh, but I know that it's possible for me because it's happened and I know it's possible for other people. And um, because you made a lot of good points uh, about uh, just having to change, but not wanting to change. And I don't want it to sound like I'm condemning uh, older people in general, because I'm not, because I wasn't that old. I was 30 when I sobered up and I was already rigid black and white, like Mm -hmm. I was 70. Mm -hmm. Right. So it doesn't matter how actually old you are or we are. Um, what I mean is that ideas, because when yeah. I came out to my parents, I thought my dad was going to disown me because he was a Methodist minister and everything I had heard up until that point, it wasn't hateful from him because he was pretty careful about that. Um, but it was not agreement, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I have to give him and my mom credit because when they, when I sat there and told them they did not bat an eye when they said they loved me. And, and so I want that to be clear because I yeah. know that, and that's not the experience for everybody. And, um, but neither is the other, like everything's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, yeah. we all have to journey through this process on our own. Um, I, I want to thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. Wonderful. Yeah. Like wonderful. I feel like I, I'm leaving here with an exploded brain and I, I appreciate <laughs> that a though. A good explosion. <laughs> The good exploded brain where it's like, oh my God, like there are some things that um, uh, just, they just mean a lot to me. And, and I'm really grateful for, for you. Um, grateful for people who do work like you do, you know, that uh, have, some people have died trying to get um, these conversations on the forefront. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just really grateful for all that. I'm grateful for you too. And Thank for the you. work that you do. Thank yeah. you very much. And giving me a voice today. Yeah. Oh, I man, it. I am. I knew you're welcome. I knew why we, as soon as we sat down, I'm like, oh, this is one of those humans that like just exudes love for other humans. Right. And I, oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Right on. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morigeau, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website 
www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.